Did you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 Films You Have to See Before You Die. They pop up every once in a while. But tell the truth. How many of them have you actually seen? These are movies so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture that you'd be forgiven for thinking that you had actually seen them. So join me, Sam Wraith. And me, Joel Green, as each week we break down and review these films from zany cult classics to what many describe as cinematic masterpieces. This is 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. My name is Sam, a self-confessed cinephile who currently works in the film and television industry. I even went to university to study film and TV. The only issue is, I've not seen many films. My name's Joel. I enjoy film and TV a lot. I do have pretty strong opinions when it comes to both film and TV, which often my friend group disagree with. I always think I'm pretty justified in my opinions. So see what you think. Each week, myself and Joel will discuss a film that is described by many as one of the best films ever made. Do these films deserve the legacy they've been given, or are they just overrated and bloated rubbish? Let's find out, as this week we discuss... Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society, the 1989 film directed by Peter Weir. I needed needed a palate cleanser after Taxi Driver. Yeah. Was... I thought this was a comedy. Oh, got it written down. IMDb says this was a comedy. Um, um, was it? I, mean, I liked it. I it liked it, film. but we'll get to it. It's not a comedy, really. There's a few chuckles. Yeah. At no point was I like laughing out loud. No, there were <sighs> some titters. Yeah. Mainly so due to posh. one person who we'll yeah. get to. But overall, I'm positive about this movie. If you want, if you, I am happy that I've it, seen it, I'd... and I think it has reset me enough after Taxi Driver. Yes, yes, I've, I'm happy that there was a good movie that I didn't know about because I came out of Taxi Driver a different human. And oh yeah, my god, absolutely. But no, this was this was good. Good character story. Oh, wow. Some proper storytelling. I mean... Oh, amazing. This, compared to a lot of modern films, like, this is what is good about a lot of old-fashioned films in the stuff, in the fact that there was really good storytelling with strong themes and, like, everything linked up well. It was really good. Yeah. Um, And... I don't know. When I was watching it, I was going, I don't think they'll ever make films like this again because there isn't big action set pieces and there isn't sort of high stakes drama. It's just a character film and I don't think they make them like this anymore. Which is a a shame. It's a real shame because it is so well written. It was really unexpected for me based on the cast as well. Yeah, I'd sort of got this film mixed up in my head with, it turns out, um, Goodwill Hunting, because some of the cast carry over. And I thought, that was, I thought Goodwill Hunting was like Matt Damon. It is, and I thought that was this film. Oh, really? Yeah, I was expecting Matt Damon to turn up, and I was like, yeah. oh, different film, different film. So we're 
Set in 1959, Todd Anderson begins his junior year of high school at Welton Academy, an all-male preparatory boarding school in Vermont. Todd is assigned to one of Welton's most promising students, senior Neil Parry, as his roommate, and meets his friends, Knox Overstreet, Richard Cameron, Stephen Meeks, Gerard Pitts, and Charlie Dalton. So, talk about the cast, first of all, the boys. Todd Anderson is played by Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah. A very so young like Ethan the... Hawke. <laughs> so young. You can't even recognise him. No, I literally, Super I've got young. it in my notes. I'm like, is that Ethan Hawke? Oh, like the action wow. movie. like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just, I, it's, it's weird seeing him as this quiet, mumbly kid. It's It's almost that taxi driver effect isn't it where i was getting a weird uncanny valley from it because i'm not used to seeing this very famous actor so young yeah yeah absolutely totally that the uncanny valley for sure it felt wrong yeah not as wrong as neil parry who's played by the same guy who plays wilson in house yep i need you love house um it it was so weird i, I oh, thought he was brilliant it? in this by the way as he's brilliant in the house, massively underrated actor. Very um, good actor. He was really good in this, but like, oh, it made me instantly. I think it cheated this film for me because I instantly connected with that character. Because like Wilson in House is one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen hundreds of hours of this actor, I'm not surprised you struggle to disconnect that character with this character. I've not. I've not I don't think I've seen him in anything else either. No, he's that's probably his best known role. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's a good role to have. Anyway, we're getting started. I didn't really recognise any of the other actors, the young actors, but uh... no, they're famous enough. But yeah, this is probably the biggest thing they've been in. Yeah, but this um, school has big old cult vibes. Oh my it? god, I wrote for, <laughs> me and you are too similar. I've written private school or religion cult question yeah. mark. The greater good. The greater good. <laughs> I didn't go to private school. I went to public school. Mm. Uh, so my school was less Dead Poets Society and more Hunger Games, really. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, no, no, I, I didn't go to private school either. So Yeah, big old cult vibes, but I think that's just what private schools are like. No, I don't think they're this far. Well, this is also 1959, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So probably the back end of this sort of... They're probably a little bit more modern now, but I think boarding school is probably quite similar to that. Yeah. In fact, we've got some friends who went to boarding school, so maybe we'll ask them. We'll ask them, yeah, if it was this extreme. On the first day of classes, the boys are surprised by the unorthodox teaching methods of the new English teacher, John Keating. A Welton alumni himself, Keating encourages his students to make your lives extraordinary. A statement he summarises with the Latin expression carpe diem, seize the day. God, I miss Robin Williams. I miss Robin Williams too. I didn't think I missed him until I saw his little face pop out behind that door and I just instantly smiled. And yeah, yeah, I was exactly the same. Instant warmth. Just little fuzzy feeling inside. He has such charisma, doesn't he? Yeah. And I think it makes it, like, 
it's kind of painful watching this movie, knowing he died in the yeah. way he did. When he's talking about this, this whole movie has the big themes of this movie are about chasing success or chasing happiness, and the romantics idea of happiness and the romantics idea of success. Um, so yeah, kind of made it hard to watch. I didn't stop yeah. me watching; it was brilliant. Yeah, um, I watched it for him because, but God. wow, yeah, e- even in this serious role, he's brilliant. Like, there's probably not many actors who can do funny and serious like Robin Williams could. I think he, I think he's even better as a serious actor. I, yeah, he's I got think, so much charisma in this; it's unbelievable. Just a charismatic man, wasn't he? Yeah. Wow. I I think it was almost like he was a stage actor in this, but not at all shouty. Quite quiet, reserved, but the the presence he had. I think because he was a teacher, often like he was at the front of the classroom, and it was almost like he was performing on stage, and that's why it felt like to me like he was a stage a stage actor. Uh, but like the, just the control he had over the class and the quiet and the presence was brilliant. Yeah, you. Oh, I instantly believed this. Like I knew it was Robin Williams, but I suspended that disbelief almost instantly, and I was like, "Oh, this is Mr. Keating. Like this is Captain Keating. This is." This is the teacher, and I believe it. Yeah, uh, brilliant. So that so this starts the theme of make your lives extraordinary, and it's really against what we've seen in the school so far, which is tradition, tradition, tradition. Yeah, there is this, and we get a a, a scene, don't we, where sort of the headmaster's talking to um, Keating, and there's like a respect there, though. Like, I feel like the old school teachers respect this younger Keating and his newer teaching styles, even though they don't fully understand it. Um, And I will get back to it later, this point. But at this point in the film, you really get that feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think from the, the start of the film, really impressed upon me that this is about getting these boys to the success. What, what is, seen as successful rather than what they want and is a huge a system that hugely pressurizes these boys based on what their parents want because their parents are paying a lot of money and i feel like maybe that system is still in place even today like it especially these schools they are designed to mold these students into what society and what their parents want as opposed to what they want and they've got very little say in that yeah it's true when really everything of their every part of their system even being rebellious in this system is it's it's tiny rebellions isn't it is yeah in the grand scheme of anything it's like smoking a cigarette making a radio huge rebellion and they're yeah. terrified of being caught. I think the 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 boys in the school very much live in fear. Yeah, it's rule by stick and not carrot, isn't it? Absolutely. Subsequent lessons include Keating having the students take turns standing on his desk to demonstrate ways to look at life differently. Telling them to rip out the introduction of their poetry books, which explains a mathematical formula used for rating poetry and inviting them to make their own style of walking in the courtyard to encourage 
their individualism. Keating's methods attract the attention of the strict headmaster, Gail Noland. This really focuses on the education in a way I've never really seen a film do it. It's like the writer really knew his source material. Like, I felt like I was learning stuff at points. Like, I felt like I was back at school. Yeah. But in a weirdly fun way. I think it really teaches you some great ideals about being an individual, being yourself, um, about going your own way and making your having your own thoughts and ideas. He's teaching them to be their own person, isn't he? He's like, he's not telling them to flunk out and quit this school and reject all its ideas. He's saying, like, think outside the box. Well, that's like, what a lot of people need to do these days, which question yeah, what they read. The sort of narrative you're presented with might not be the only narrative, I think is what he's trying to say. Yeah. And just because it's written down in a textbook doesn't mean that is the only point of view. And I was, yeah, I was feeling oddly inspired by this film. Yeah. And like the first half is actually quite feel good. Yeah. It's sort of to see things from a different perspective and seeing Robin Williams do some impressions. I just felt really good fun. I felt nice and just happy in this beginning bit of the film. Yeah. And it had that like six form school feel, didn't it? Yeah. All the characters in this are 17. It had that, like, almost like, you know, like Harry Potter comfort feel. Yeah, that sort of coming of age. Yeah. There's something here everyone can relate to. Upon learning that Keaton was a member of the unsanctioned Dead Poets Society while at Welton, Neil restarts the club and he and his friends sneak off campus to a cave where they read poetry. As the school year progresses, Keaton's lessons and their involvement with the club encourage them to live their lives on their own terms. Knox pursues Chris Noland, an attractive cheerleader, who is dating Chet Danbury, a football player from a local public school. So their big rebellious action that they're going to take to start leading their own lives is to sit in a cave together and read each other poetry. Oh, rebels here. Rebels without a call. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. It, it was silly at first, and then there's something charming about it as they start singing and... Bonding, aren't they? It's, yeah. It's an excuse for the film to show you these characters are bonding but out I of mean, the, the confines just... of school. Exactly. The, the, I think the cave is almost like a, a symbol of protection away from the teachers so they can actually yeah. grow in their own way. And it, yeah, there's a bit of a journey there, so it's almost like a pilgrimage for them. It's, yeah, dumb, but makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense in the film and grows on you. What doesn't grow on me is Knox's storyline. Right, <laughs> this is weird. It's so, the weakest bit of the movie by far, and it's so left field. It comes out of, I mean, it does come out of nowhere. So Knox meets this cheerleader and he falls head over heels in love with her straight away which is normal i was happy with that he then manages to get invited to a party that she's at and we get this really good juxtaposition between the dumb jocks and his friends and how he clearly doesn't fit in here and Knox gets drunk doesn't he yeah and then 
takes a seat next to the sleeping Chrissy and for some bizarre reason in a room full of people decides to stroke her hair and start kissing her and this was hard to watch yeah because the these days probably back then you should you should never should be arrested do this. <laughs> like, but it's i know they so, didn't have me too back then but so, something it's so left field and oh like what is he and then he continues to do it as well like so obviously he gets caught and her boyfriend beats him up and says if i see yeah. you again i'm gonna kill you uh which is probably fair play do you know what i mean like i wasn't on i didn't feel bad for Knox here i'm like you're oh, a, you're yeah. a creep this is what you deserve i wasn't team Knox. no not at all and then he turns up at chris's school Oh, like, with flowers and to read her a poem. And I'm like, what is he doing? This is creepy. Yeah. He won't take no for an answer. And it's like, come on, man. This is bizarre. It's just pre, pre, pre-2010 romance. It's just, <laughs> but it's it's like, just creepy. Because later on, Chrissy turns up basically to say, you shouldn't have done that, and my boyfriend is going to kill you. And you've embarrassed me in front of everybody in school. And you've embarrassed me. And then all of a sudden, it it goes from she's interested in him, and it becomes actually quite cute and nice. But knowing the context of how it started, I was like, this is weird. And you could easily fix it. Why? Why was it that initial meeting? Do you know what I mean? If they'd have just got close at the party when she was conscious and gotten close and the boyfriend had caught them, I'd have been absolutely fine with this entire this entire storyline. But it starts with this like unconsensual act and it's just weird. It's very weird. And I don't like it and it made me not no. fully like Knox. Well, no. This is creepy. It's very creepy and it's weird that it's written like that. The movie moves on. And Neil discovers his love of acting and gets the role as Puck in the local production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, despite the fact he has a domineering father who wants him to attend Harvard to study medicine. And his father takes this way too far, doesn't he? Like I mean, it, his father yeah. says you can't do anything else other than study. Yeah, he's classic, overbearing, hard-ass father. Neil he? is a straight-A student. Like, yeah, but his father, I think that's the line at the beginning, isn't it? It's like, I'm concerned that you're taking, the, taking on too much. Yeah. And anything that distracts from your studies of being a doctor, um, I don't want you to do, basically, because he makes him quit the student newspaper, I think. And he, I think his father just doesn't like the arts. He wants his son to do well, but I think he's one of those parents who, I think later on in the movie... He says, you, you, you've got opportunities that I never had. So I think it's a bit of living through his through his son. Yeah. that he wish he could have done. He's that generation, isn't he, that probably fought in the war and mm. sort of had his youth stolen from him. So yeah. he almost goes, he's like slingshots too far in the opposite direction and he's far too hard on his son. Absolutely. Trying to enforce opportunities on him that he wasn't given so then charlie who is the most sort of rebellious out of the group and 
possibly the most charismatic out of the group, apart from maybe Neil, then publishes an article in the school's newspaper in the club's name, suggesting that girls be admitted to Welton. Nolan paddles Charlie to coerce him to reveal who else is in the Dead Poets Society, but he resists and doesn't tell him. I think this bit is a nice show of loyalty. Charlie is a bit of an idiot. I like Charlie a lot in this film. He gets cocky, doesn't he? He's a proper... He's he's the only true rebel out of the group. Yeah, and even that's saying something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, because he... Oh, he brings girls to the cave. Yeah. Uh, it's... In the context of the movie in this world, he's a massive rebel. But in the grand scheme of things, he's probably exactly the same as these other children. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, he he kind of takes the fall. He said, "Oh, I've done some. I did something stupid on a whim, but I've got you back. I'll protect you guys. I'll take the blame." Yeah, showing and the closeness, like closeness of this group, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a good, good little section, good little plot device that works really, really well and shows the closeness of the group. So Neil becomes devastated after his father discovers his involvement in the play and demands he quit on the eve of the opening performance. He goes to Keating, who advises him to stand at his ground and prove to his father that his love of acting is something he takes seriously. Neil's father unexpectedly shows up for the, at the performance. He angrily takes Neil home and has him withdraw from Welton and enrol in a military academy. So I think a big part of this that's missed in that, in the summary, and this is one of the first movies where I'll say, like, we're talking through the summary of the film, we are missing so much in the summary. Yeah, it's missing quite a lot. There is so much story and character development and brilliant, like, go watch this film. You should absolutely watch this film. Like, this is glossing over a lot. Like, this is the bare story. But I assume I, a lot of it can be summed up in like the one lines we're getting. It's like I think Keating keeps the, teaching the class. We've not actually talked about any of the big reveals yet. We're about to get into some of the big reveals. Yeah. So if you're if you're listening, and you think, oh, actually, maybe I should. I've not watched this film. Maybe I should have. Pause now. Go watch it. Yeah, you should be watching. Off. If there's any of these films. I would recommend that you have to see. It's this one. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Neil has a... Like, he is a hit success in the play. He's charismatic the entire way through. Uh, however, yeah, he's amazing in the play. He gets a standing ovation, but it doesn't seem to matter to his to his father at all, who goes absolutely ballistic. This was This was hard to watch, and I think this is really summarises like e big theme in the film of what one person sees as success and happiness isn't what other people see as success and happiness and sometimes people don't understand what that is for somebody yeah people they don't see the big picture they're quite narrow minded and just struggle to see how something else can make somebody else so happy and I think this is where we get into something I did not see coming at all and thought was devastating 
They're unable to explain how he feels to his father and unable to see a, a, a path to happiness and to be the true romantic that he is. Uh, a distraught Neil uh, commits suicide. This hit hard. Yeah, very hard. Um, I I knew this was coming the moment I saw him stood at the window. I don't know yes, why. I just I knew it was coming. Yeah, the music in this film is brilliant, and I don't think we've even talked about it yet. No, the way it triggers moods and sort of doesn't tell you how to feel, but lets you know how these characters are feeling because sometimes it isn't clear, and it's just this music instantly let me know what was coming, and we get that really slow. He's walking down the stairs. There's these really long, quite beautiful shots where, like, he's in shadow. And he walks over to this drawer, unlocks it, and pulls out something. We don't see what it is, but we it's a gun. Do you know what I mean? You see yeah, the barrel you know. poking out, and it's... Oh, it's trying. well acted. He, he's... I, I think... He is so calm throughout this. And his actions are slow and deliberate and not rushed, not hesitant. It's Everything's very deliberate. Yeah, but we're seeing a character that's made up his mind. He has decided he's... that if he can't if he can't have his romantic idea of happiness, then he doesn't want to live. He couldn't communicate to his father. He couldn't tell him how he felt. So he, he is a romantic, he is a, a a poet at heart, he is uh, somebody who appreciates grand gestures and wants to perform. And I think this really was a performance to his dad to show him how he really felt. And what made it hard for me is... His dad still didn't understand. No. Even even after this happened and this clear message that was sent to him didn't pick up on it. Shifted the blame instantly onto someone else. Brilliant, brilliant filmmaking, brilliant storytelling. I think the fact that his father like if it was a lesser story, his father would have understood. Yeah, you'd have you'd have got the redeeming father sees his point of view and lets him live out his dream which is maybe where i thought this was going and why this came out of nowhere to me i was like oh i know where this is going and then that happened and all of a sudden the tone changed all the hairs stood up on the back of my neck because i knew this was coming and it was just drawn out and even when it happens we don't see it we get it from the parents point of view where they're woken up by a noise and then they've got this long drawn out sequence where they're searching the house and then you finally see i mean you see like his hand and the gun on the floor and the parents reactions exactly as you said this isn't where i thought this was going i think we've been trained by hollywood and films to if somebody puts in an effort even if it's against what other people want if somebody tries really hard they succeed 
Whereas in this film is the opposite. He is somebody who tries, he works hard, he does everything right in a way, bar breaking some rules. And he meets a brick wall and it's a it's a tragedy instead of a success. And it's just, it was so unexpected. And it, it this happens as well. This is true to life, do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, this feels truer to life than the big success story. Yeah, for some because reason. It's... I mean that is your slocky Hollywood. Oh, if you try hard enough, anything can happen. But no, there are there. This is real life. Do you know what I mean? This felt real life. So Nolan investigates Neil's death at the request of the Parry family. Cameron blames Neil's death on Keating to escape punishment for his own participation in the Dead Poets Society and the names of the other members. Cameron urges the rest of them to let Keating take the fall. Charlie punches Cameron and is expelled. Each of the boys is called to Nolan's office to sign a letter attesting to the truth of Cameron's allegations. And despite knowing the allegations are false, each of the boys succumb to the pressure and sign the letter. I think this is where we start finally seeing Todd as a character in this. I mean, this is one where you, you see a lot of the movie from Todd's point of view, but he kind of mumbles and he's kind of a bit of a silent protagonist. And it's more about how that character is more of... It's, this is the story of Neil. Yeah. Throughout, really. And I think Todd is more... You see it through his eyes because Neil includes Todd. You You kind of expect... At the start, you expect Neil to be an arrogant guy and actually no he pulls he pulls Todd out of his shell and actually is a brilliant person in this film. Yeah the first time we meet all the characters in the dorm room and almost instantly they all bond and they take him under his wing it's a good group of friends it was it it felt very English slash British that friend group as well well the entire film they, yeah felt quite British I it was almost in my head like it'd been written to be set in England, but then yeah. they really wanted Robin Williams and couldn't write that in. Because you get, like, the the school's old and classic. It could be set in Scotland. It could be set in a posh school in the UK. They drink tea. <laughs> yeah, they drink tea. There's bagpipe music. Everything about this film is quite British. And for some reason, it is set in America. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's because of the actors they wanted. Yeah, and the but, actors are brilliant in it. Yeah, this film could very easily have been set in the UK. Maybe it's the boarding school. Maybe America is quite a young country, so their boarding schools maybe do feel quite British because, I mean, Oxford is a thousand years old. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've been doing boarding schools for a long time. Um, yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe boarding schools in America are quite british keating is fired and the headmaster nolan takes over teaching the class with the intent of adhering to traditional wilton rules keating interrupts the class to gather his leftover belongings as he leaves todd reveals to keating that the boys were intimidated into signing the paper that sealed his fate and keating assures todd that he believes him nolan threatens to expel todd todd stands up on his desk with the words, oh captain, my captain, which prompts Nolan to threaten him again. 
the other members of the Dead Poets Society, except from Cameron, as well as several other students in the class, to Nolan's fury and Keaton's pleased surprise. Touched by their support, Keating proudly thanks the boys and departs. Oh, Captain, my Captain. It makes you feel horrible that Keating is being blamed for the death of Neil when he's the been the strongest supporter of Neil and Neil's happiness. What? Throughout the entire film. Yeah, so when when we find out that Neil has killed himself, you get that scene, don't you, with Keating looking in the... He's sat at Neil's desk and he goes through thing, things and he finds the book with the Dead Poets Society sort of mantra written in it. And I wrote down, does Keating blame himself? Yeah, that's and exactly what I thought as well. I think it went through his head, doesn't he? He know, like If he hadn't have done the right thing and taught these boys to be their own person and to follow their dreams, then Neil wouldn't have become an actor and joined the play and been pulled out of school. And it's, it's that butterfly effect, isn't it? It's the shoulda, coulda, woulda. But then he never would have had an opportunity to be truly happy. This is what I mean. He would have been miserable for the rest of his life. It's it's a lose-lose situation, really, in sort of this movie. But, you, yeah, I feel like Keating blames himself and knows that this in some part is to do with him. It's It's extra sad to know that if Neil hadn't killed himself, he would have gone on to be a successful doctor and starred in house anyway yeah so- <laughs> I, well, I, I wrote it down at the time you get this is, we get a scene where neil's dad <laughs> says you'll go to harvard and become a doctor and this is funny because he this actor's best known role is playing a doctor in house yeah it's acting and doctor he, he could have had the best of both worlds he, he, he did didn't he <laughs> that can be like a kind of he did. I survived and became a doctor in house. Oh. Yeah, changed his last name to Wilson. And, uh... <laughs> well, that's his. That's his stage name, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fan theory. Fan theory. Yeah. Oh, oh. no! But the oh, captain, my captain, brilliant. It's a theme throughout that they call him captain, and he is their captain. He he guides them on how to be happy and how to think for yourself which is everything that welton stands against it stands against individualism it stands against um freedom it's about tradition and pushing people to the next stage and and that's it when it's early on they talk about the fragility of life and that you've got to live every day you can't just prepare yourself for the future because you you may die young you yeah, should live every day if you're always chasing the future you're never going to be happy exactly you're never going to fully get there or you may chase an idea especially somebody else's idea of what you want and never feel fulfilled yeah if this isn't an idea you've come up with yourself and a dream you want to achieve yourself you're never going to be happy Seize the day. Carpe diem. Carpe diem. Oh, Captain, my Captain. What an iconic, 
Oh, there's so many lines in here. But then I there's love the lines in scene. here. A lot come from come from poetry and great works of art, and it shows. And it's just it's mixed with the soundtrack. I oh, I loved this scene. It really sort of redeemed the film, even though it's a brilliant film. I thought it was. I I don't know what I was very conflicted at this point because I think I'd gone from this high to this low and I was like what is going on it was subverting my expectations so much I think when yes I think subverting my expectations is brilliant I think I we got this payoff where Todd who's this character who couldn't speak up for himself which is ironically what made Neil kill himself is not speaking up for himself when he tried to get Todd to speak up for himself the entire time and it's him himself who couldn't speak up and show his show his real feelings but it, it's almost like Todd progressed from that and he finally stood up for himself at the end when uh, Keating and Neil have both been trying to get him to speak up for himself and he finally did it at the end when it's kind of weird having this main character who doesn't seem to have... He has a bit of character progression, but he's a main character who doesn't do a lot. But it comes... It all pays off at the end for this last scene where he stands on the desk and says, Oh, Captain, my Captain. Um, it's brilliant. It pays off for him doing not a lot for the rest of the movie. I think it's totally worth it and is such a good payoff and really rounds out a film which could possibly be seen as having two different endings this is the true ending brilliantly acted by Ethan Hawke as well you yeah. can see the conflict in him and like you can feel it deep inside you you're sympathizing with him you're like stand up say something and when he finally does that sort of release that tension that is released is oh it's brilliant it's just, so good. And this just, it made me feel fuzzy inside. I think where when this will lead on to scores and the doors, but you know when I, I've said on this podcast in the past, I, I read a brilliant film makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you feel things and it makes you think. This does. All of those. Everything. Box ticks, box ticks, box ticks. And th this is this is this is what I mean by what I think a really brilliant film should be able to do for you. It should take you in a load of different emotional directions and it should make you think. And this absolutely does. And it's a brilliant, brilliant film. Yeah. Brilliantly acted, brilliantly written. I can I can see how it's not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's quietly entertaining. You, I can see how... I could see how people could think this is a bit boring, though. Because yes, not a lot happens. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, But it's... Yeah, for the acting, for the way it's written... I mean, if you don't vibe with it, you don't vibe with it. Which does I'm not going to say it's the best film I've ever seen. No. And there's I, a lot it's, it's of... It's a very good film, but it's not... There is... There is I, I've seen better films, and... Uh, I think where it does lack in is something dramatic happening, but then something dramatic happening doesn't fit the feel of this film, what they're going for, which is a 
sort of quiet brilliance and a chase of happiness. And so but I that's think done... where the the action air quotes the the main bit is so well though because it yeah. comes out of nowhere, but it's so real for these characters, and it is like a world changing event for them. And it shocked me. Didn't see it coming. Didn't at all. And I hoped that it wasn't going to do it, even though my brain instantly... Yeah, I knew yeah. it was coming. Stomach goes, doesn't it? Yeah. And the ending as well. So hopeful. This school system is is not for everyone. And I think, if anything, this movie shows that this group of friends are not equipped for this school. Right then. Firstly, overrated underrated bang on i would say this film is underrated i think it's underrated i don't hear many people talking about it i know of this film yeah but i've never really heard anybody talking about it well this this was nominated for four academy awards so best picture best director best actor for robin williams and best screenplay and it it won the best screenplay one so i I'm happy with that. Scores on the doors. Yeah, it's your turn to go first. This is a good film. Um, I liked it, but I feel like it's a Casablanca situation for me, where it's good, but it's not the best film I've ever seen. There's stuff in this that isn't fully needed for the impact of the film could have been shorter could have been shorter and i know it's character building but all of the dead poet society stuff could be cut out yeah you could have keating call his class that do you know what i mean like you still get the follow your dreams message but it it doesn't really equate to anything Mm. it's just sort of filler and i think it will make this film tighter so i'm gonna go with my gut with what i wrote down gets a high it gets a 6.9 it gets a high six 6.9 wow okay we are on different pages it's... i'm giving it an eight yeah i was this is the first time where you, uh, you've ranked something lower than i have straight up not overthinking it i enjoyed it more than godfather yeah i, I th- well i it. think you you've got the gut instinct that i had yeah but then I'm... you like to come straight into these films whereas i like yeah, to true. sort of think about them and mull over them right then next week Right. We are watching. It's a big one. Oh, go on. We're watching Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. This is Sparta. <laughs> not the quote. What? <laughs> is that not this film? No, that's 300. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm really proud of myself. You then. said that so confidently. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this then. Because I clearly don't have a clue what this is. Okay, Joel. I've got it nailed at this time. This yeah? one's easy. Go for it. Oh, listener, my listener. See you next week. He's nailed it. Oh, oh. my God. Bye. Love it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. If you could like this episode, it would really help us out. Do you have a suggestion for a film you think we should watch? Why not leave us a comment letting us know? You can also follow us on Insta at 1001 Movies Not Seen Pod. 
or drop us an email at 1001movies.notseen at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Really and well win. It well win. <laughs> well win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really well well. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really well win. <laughs> I can't say it because I'm smiling. Can't get my mouth around it. <laughs> yeah, it's really well written. I can't do it. <laughs> Just cut it out. Just no. carry on. You can get this because this is gold. <laughs> You're really struggling, aren't you? Well, re- <laughs> it's because I'm smiling so hard. Yeah, right. I can't form words in my mouth. <sighs> oh god, I've gone really warm. I can't. I can't remember what we're talking about now. <laughs>